The Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston, and... uh, Welcome, everyone, to this lovely evening. Uh, I guess it's evening here and uh, afternoon on the West Coast there. Uh, For those of you that heard last week's show, uh, I advertised that we were going to talk about hollow tiles and epoxy injection, and I kind of lost myself. I, I talked for a good long time about hollow tiles and never did get to epoxy injection. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, I have a good friend of mine, David Bonacera, that's coming on here in a second. And, uh, you know, David and I are going to be just, you know, throwing the BS around, I guess you could say, uh, about this subject as well as some other uh, uh, hot topics when it comes to stone and tile uh, restoration work, uh, repairs, investigation, et cetera. So let me get David in here and see if he's on the line. David, are you there? Hey, Fred. Hey, good afternoon, I guess, out there. How are things going? It's California. You just yep. didn't roll with the punches. <laughs> say no more. Say no more. So, uh, you know, I, as you heard last week, I, I did the, I did the show on hollow tiles, and I never got around to, uh, you know, how, how do we fix these hollow tiles? Should we fix these hollow tiles? Are they worth fixing? Does, does epoxy injection work? So, I'll give my opinion in a minute, but I'm interested to hear from you because you've been in this industry probably as long as I have. So. Uh, what, what do you think of epoxy injection for hollow tiles? Do you think it's worth it? Yes. But the question is, how many tiles are you going to try and fix? Yep, amen. Because when you get to a certain percentage of, let's say, 20%, as I went to a gentleman today who had glass tiles in a pool, he popped one up, and I said, keep going. you got Pandora's box here, buddy. I said, you want me to fix the tiles that have come loose but the problem you have is the adhesive was the wrong one for the pool and blah 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 but when it comes to hollow tiles you know you'll know pretty much because the grout will be missing and then you do um, your golf ball thing that you've taught everybody um, to do a sound test and you know if you got you know five or ten tiles you know that's not too bad but when you get to the point where you start taking out all the grout and trying to redo the floor, if it's that loose, sometimes it's a lot easier to just take them up and rebond them back in place, which is cleaning the thin set off the back of the tile if there is any or on the substrate. So there's a certain percentage that the Tile Council of North America and the Tile Contractors Association <clears throat> say is a percentage, you know, is it just gone? You yeah, know, I, I agree. You say, I'm not going to deal with because when you touch it, it becomes your floor. You are your father's keeper in most states. 
Absolutely. So with that said, if it's, you know, two or three tiles, well, that's fine. Not a big deal. You Two ways is to take out the grout and then inject a very thin epoxy underneath it. I like um, some epoxies, but I like to put a little bit of sand in it to get a little more tooth and better bite because sometimes that the resin, um, depending on the tile itself, it may bond to the tile, it may not, and you don't know where you're at. And most of the time, you can't see it, how it's bonded. Is there enough thin set? Was it? Um, and you talked about this, which I found very interesting, about the uh, infrared camera. And that yep. was one hell of a trick. That was a definitely an aha moment. Um, but knowing that, you have to ask a lot of questions, as you always said through the years, be a good investigator, ask lots of questions. But they don't know that it's not bonded. I went and looked at a backyard today. It was slate. They had no idea that slate had oils in it, and you had to do a burn or a scratch coat on it. It was spot bonded. And he's like, well, just take this bigger piece. I said, no, I can fix this one little corner. And says, well, what's your guarantee? I said, it'll last longer than the rest of your entire backyard because I know how to set it, and there's the whole thing. But going back to the injection, you can inject through the grout lines and have a flow underneath, or you can also drill a hole if it's stone and inject from the top. And then, of course, your placement's important of where it's hollow, and injecting it then you have to do a fill so you have to have a good color guy who can fix that up after you're done right right um, but those are the two ways to do it it's to the grout or to the top um bondstone's got a really cool um, product um that will do injecting um and then there are other ones that are real running but getting into the polyesters because um, polyester is a real thing, like some of the Akimi stuff. Um, right. It's kind of hit or miss whether it will really bond and really stick for a long time. And again, knowing that if it's spot bonded or it's just loose, you know, most of the time when the tiles are loose, your point last week was incredible. And that was, hey, is is it loose from the tiles or is it just the substrate? You know, is it spot bonded? You know, why is the problem there? Sometimes you have to pull up a tile to actually see what the problem is before you can address it. But if you come in blazing guns and said, yeah, I can fix this, you may be able to fix it or you may end up having a really bad month because you can't fix it. Yeah, absolutely. I keep could, I, yeah, I agree with you 100% on, on everything you're saying. Being I, a I good investigator, ask. like you always say, is the best thing. Yep, and and I'll add to that, and that you know, you you know, in addition to what you you're talking about here with with the bonding issue, is that a lot of times you can have hollow tiles on a floor, and areas that are not necessarily hollow but are still not bonded. So you know, and, and I'm sure you've seen this lots of times where you know you go in and l- let's say you have an area that's just. You know, let's say a thousand square foot just to just for shits and giggles, all right? And you have ten tiles that are hollow. You start popping up those ten tiles if you're going to do that, and all of a sudden more are coming up, more are coming up, more are coming up right, that didn't they're held, hollow they're before. Held in so. by, you know, yeah, because the whole installation is solid with the grout. Once you start taking up one, you have Pandora's box. Right. And then the client goes, well, I thought you said there were 10 tiles, and now there's 35 tiles. I don't want to spend that kind of money. You have to fix this problem. 
So that's why you have to be a good investigator because some people are cool and some people are not. And the ones that are not can drive you absolutely crazy. Yeah. Like, why did and, I do and, this? And, and you hit the nail on the head in the very beginning when you're talking about the wrong setting material. And, you know, one thing I, I'm a big proponent of, especially as an investigator, and, you know, and I, I teach my students this as well, is that, you know, you have to ask why. You know, why do we have a hollow tile? Why is this particular floor failing? Because, you know, just throwing a fix at it is not always a good solution because that fix may not be a fix or it may be the wrong fix or it's going to do absolutely nothing uh, to, to fix. So, you know, you need to find out wh- why you're dealing with it. Cause let, let's face it. I don't think there is such a thing as a perfect installation. You know, you, you could take me on any job. And you could take the best installer in the world. I could probably, if I wanted to be real nitpicky about it, probably find something a little bit wrong with it. Does that mean it's a poor installation? No. So you've got to take these things with a, with a grain of salt, pardon the pun. Well, the other thing, too, is expansion joints are so important and have to do a lot with the final outcome. <clears throat> so um, I think it's ANSI 108.1 and... Um, or TCMA 108. I'm not, not sure exactly. I have to take a quick look. But what it says is, is that all expansion joints outside are 8 to 10 feet. Inside, 25 feet, every 25 feet. Unless you're in a commercial area, then they do the same um, in a big area as outside. But areas where the baseboards are, you need to have that at least a quarter of an inch or so, so you have that expansion and contraction, or you have the tenting, which you always show in your classes. Right. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of things to it. But usually when I walk into an outside area, the first thing I see is no expansion joints. And you need those little pods to expand and contract correctly, and they stay intact. If you don't, generally something's got to give because you've got this huge pressure of the whole entire installation. And a lot of times when you were talking about a few minutes ago is, you know, why does the entire thing look okay, but it's really not. And that's just because it's held together by the grout. Right. And, you know, the, 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 the physics of, of expansion and contraction apply to everything. I, just yesterday, as a matter of fact, I was down in South Florida and I was looking at a, a tile installation and the, uh, the homeowner that I was, big, you know, multi-million dollar home said, you know, I got an, I, I, can you take a look at my pool deck? And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a stone and tile guy, but, you know, these, these principles apply to everything else. They apply to concrete. They apply uh, to almost anything. So I went out and took a look at his pool deck, and he had this enormous pool deck. And for those of you listening, I don't know what a pool deck is. It's a, it's a concrete acrylic product that's actually applied to the top of a concrete and, and the, the word cool deck comes from because it's usually acrylics are actually cooler to the touch on one's feet and they're usually white in color or light, light in color. But with that said, it was cracked all over the place. And I'm looking at it and I, I notice there's no expansion joints. And not only is there no expansion joints, this cool deck is poured right up against a metal uh, frame all the way around the perimeter of it. And I said, there's no room for expansion. So, you know, what you're talking about is extremely important. I mean, it, it applies not only to stone and tile, but to concrete, to everything else that's, that, that, that's on a horizontal and a vertical surface, for that matter. So, Well, well and taken. then you have people who really don't follow the codes and says, well, yeah, but I have an anti-fracture membrane, so that takes care of all my expansion contraction. I said, no, not. that only <laughs> takes care of your cracking of your underlayment with your cement moving. That's under 
Now we're talking about Mr. Sun. That's a whole different animal. Yep, absolutely. That. But yeah, expansion joints really, uh, a lot of times I'll go to a deck and they'll be cracking all the way through from one end to another. And I'll say to them, you know what? This just wants to be an expansion joint. So let's just take out the grout. Put in the back of rod, put in the polyurethane sealant, and let it do what it wants to do because it wants to expand and contract right here. So right. let's just do that. Let's just help it. Here you go. Um, but a lot of times um, you can put grout in, but it's still going to crack again because that's where it wants to expand and contract. Yep. Hopefully it's still grout line and not the tiles. Yeah, and it, it's it's so difficult. I mean, you know, we we could talk about uh, you know bridging uh, other materials as well. Uh, you know, I've seen decks poured and, and tile and stone uh, uh, installed over the top of concrete, right over the, the, the control joint and the concrete. And uh, that that's a no-no because, you know, the reason that control joint is there is, is for several reasons. First of all, it's there in the concrete. And, and again, for those of you newbies out there, not what I'm talking about when it comes to control joints. If you've ever walked down a sidewalk, you notice the sidewalk is in one continuous pour. It has that little line that runs across it every so many feet. That's a control joint, and it's there for a reason. It's there to uh, prevent cracking because concrete, as it shrinks, as it cures, it will shrink, and it can crack. And if you don't give it room to do that, it, it, it's going to crack. So that's why you have it. So a, a pour in a slab, uh, if you're talking about a slab that's not a tension-based, a post-tension slab, uh, is going to have those control joints. And if you bridge those control joints, uh, you're going to have an issue. You're going to have that, that joint actually, you know, telegraphing right through the, the set of material right on up through your tile or, or cool deck or, you know, stone or, or whatever, and it's a uh, it's an issue. And and a lot of times, well, I won't say a lot of times, but sometimes even a anti-fracture membrane over that control joint may not be enough. So Right, know, it's, yeah. It's well, the really thing important. I always tell people is, look, if the concrete guys are doing it this way, why don't you do it this way? Right. There's a reason why. All the concrete guys do expansion joints. They do the control joints, but they don't do it in tile. Right. Um, and they don't give enough room right. on the edge for expansion and contraction either. Um, going back to um, the injection process that we were talking about, um, yeah. I'm working currently with uh, Chuck Melbauer and a bunch of other guys and um, – um, Bondstone 10X, and we're putting together this new section for the design manual, and oh. we're going to make a dedicated thing for adhesives. And I looked at the draft that Bondstone and 10X put together, and I emailed them back, and I said, holy definition, Batman. I mean, looking at the definitions of each type of glue, I was like, oh, this is overwhelming. Uh, being the chair of this, I have to kind of, you know, um, look at everything because then we have to allocate to everybody else and make an entire right. section for adhesives. There's, you know, the glues for um, fabricators and then there's thin sets and, you know, which one's is best, which one isn't. So it's, right. it's going to be a very complicated thing. But one of the things that's very interesting is like, to know the different glues. Um, in fact, there's something on the MI's design manual right now. It's one page, and they'll tell you about the different glues, what their strengths and weaknesses are. And that's really, really important. You can get that free online at the, uh, I used to call it the, it's 
to me it's still the MIA, but it's now the National Stone Institute. Right. And I think it's on right. page 50. And that's something everybody needs to know because they're going to buy the polyesters because they're cheap, but it may not be the right one. Bondstone's got yep. a cool one called Express 2. It's a flowing that, you know, just drill the hole in the middle of the tile or where it's hollow, inject. That's a good bond. That's a good epoxy that will hold. Okay? Sometimes when I'm doing um, the sides from where the grout is, I'll find something that's very runny, like the old laticrete stuff, and put a little bit of body into it, a little bit of right. sand to get some good tooth, and let it flow underneath. One of the things I had an argument with um, with the vice president one time, we were having a knockdown drag out in the back of his booth at Stone Expo, and we were screaming at each other because he wanted me to warranty this stuff, and I said, your stuff's failing. And then he says, yeah, I know it's runny, but it saved a lot of installations. I said, I know, but I don't want to like, go over this three times. You right. know? And then they, then they came up with the Spectre Lock, which we called Spectra Slump. And then right. finally they got into the third one, which finally worked. But in that sense, the first one actually, the stainless actually works really, really good for flowing underneath the tile and bonding it in place because it's so runny. But you can't get it in the U.S. anymore because it was rejected, so now it's a European thing which I have no idea why the Europeans right. are doing that. But, but it will bond yeah. the tile in place, absolutely. But epoxy is a good way to go. You really can't. If you take out one tile and you can put thin set in, but if you're spot bonded, you're hosed because yeah. spot oh, yeah. bonded is going to fail. If you go to uh, type in, you know, Tile Contractors Association or Tile TV spot bonding, you'll see what spot bonding, why it's a no-no now because they it's not – Yes, it's going to fail, but when is it going to fail? And right. most of the guys who do outside stuff just plop and put the thing on. And yep. like slate, it has oils in it, so you have to do a really good burner scratch coat on the back, or it's just going to eventually come up. And, of course, there's not enough slope, and that's a huge problem. I'm still fighting with the industry as far as to make a whipping system off a deck because they got the grout line in front and everything's supposed to push through the grout line as opposed to let's just make weep holes at the end of the deck that goes into the gutter. But that makes too much sense, and I don't want to go for that right now. You know, now. it's, it, it, it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's funny you should mention that because, and actually I'm going to dedicate a show just to that, is the decks here, especially in Florida, you won't believe how many failures there are because they basically will take a deck, an outside concrete deck, and just then set tile down on top of it, and no consideration for drainage, no drainage mats, no weep holes, no nothing. And then they wonder why they have issues. But we'll, we'll, let's not talk about that. We'll, we're going to dedicate a whole show on, on that. Yeah, and, I looked uh, at a deck today, and the guy goes, yeah, this guy fixed this one over here, and it doesn't leak anymore, but I got this one. And then I see this gutter coming down onto the back deck, and the gutter yep. from the roof is coming right onto the deck. And I looked at him, and I said, goodbye. Yep, I'm sorry. Exactly. I, don't, I don't want no part no. of this. Your membrane is gone. Tear it out. Put it back. Oh, but I want to patch it. Good. Hire somebody else. I don't want part right. of this. Exactly. You know, I want to. I want to go back. I want to go back to the glue thing for a second here. But before I do, let me just give out the phone number in case anybody's listening live. It's three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. That's three two three eight seven zero. 3968, if you've got a comment, a question, or, or whatever, feel free to, to give us a call. But, yeah, but back to the glue thing. You know, this is one thing I preach constantly, and, and you know, you, you said it right. A lot of times these guys will buy the polyesters, 
and I see this a lot in fabric fab, with fabricators with laminations. I can't tell you how many times I've seen laminations fail because they're using polyesters and polyesters are not a great bond. They, they, they mean, generally they, they hate water. They don't like UV light and they don't bond as well as say an, an epoxy does. And one of the, one of the tricks that I've learned a long time ago, you know, glue companies used to send me glues all the time. I'm sure they still do. And they say, hey, check this glue out. This is really, really strong. What I would do is I would put two pieces of tile, and I would take the polished, polished face of each tile. I would put the glue on it. I would put those two tiles together face-to-face, polished face-to-face, I should say. Clamp it. Let it set overnight, regardless of the cure time. Uh, let it set overnight and come back the next day and whack it with a hammer and see where it cleaves. A good glue, a strong glue, will actually pull the face off the tile. Uh, a, a weak glue will actually cleave clean. And you're going to find that with a lot of polyesters is that they'll cleave clean, uh, where, you know, your your epoxies will, will be a much stronger bond. Right. And the other thing, too, that's very interesting that everybody needs to know is that polyesters have like a 7% shrinkage value. Yep. And because they got a 7% shrinkage value, you're going to inject it and think you got a bond. And as it dries, it shrinks. And you still think yep. you got a bond? You don't. No. If, you, <laughs> if you're going to have a shrinkage value, you know, you're kind of pissing on a forest fire. Right. I mean, you know, and, you know, and going, back, yeah, going back to the epoxy injection, uh, I think you kind of hit, hit on this, but I want to emphasize this. It depends on how how much of a void you have in, in that under those tiles. If you have large voids, like in the spot bonding example you gave, you're going to spend, you're going to spend more money in, 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 in uh, epoxy than you're going to be to replace that tile. So you got to, you got to know. And my recommendation would be, you know, you're sure you got the infrared camera trick. I mean, that, that's helpful, but pull a tile up, see what you're dealing with. You agree with that? Yeah, again, it goes back to one of the things that I was trying to do with when we did the restoration and maintenance section with like Keith Graves and Cameron and Ted and um, John Kessler um, and and Stuart Rosen and a bunch of guys is putting it together is knowing your materials, knowing your stone, what diamonds work with what, what sealers work with what. And that took us two years, but we made probably the most comprehensive section for restoration and maintenance ever. They knew the materials. They knew the stone. Right. Most of the guys in the stone business, I mean, when I give I did five classes this year in um, Vegas, but I got to tell you, Fred, most of the people in the class have never taken a geology lesson. Oh, I know. So why, why do wood goes... Wood guys know wood, cement guys know cement, but most of the people in the stone business don't know stone. It's like the guy who puts the glue on, you know, he puts a um, two-part epoxy, opaque color, right? It's not UV stable, and he tries to bond, you know, a white marble or a white, you know, porous quartzite, and the resin just bleeds right into that stone, and then can't figure, well, I've been using this for 30 years. Well, yeah, it would have been okay yeah. on a marble, but you're still using a polyester or you're using a two-part epoxy. It's not clear, and it bled into the stone. You should have used yep. the urethane. Again, everybody out there needs to learn about the glue. 
what works, one doesn't. Because if you don't and you get into a porous material, you're having a really bad month. Oh, yeah. You have to now <laughs> rectify that and fix it. And, you know, wisdom is sometimes painful, but it's best to do your research so you don't have to go through that pain, you know, you know or you meant, join. Go right. ahead. I agree. I was going to say, I wanted to make sure I mentioned this. I mentioned, I think I mentioned this on last week's show is that, um, um, as far as knowing your stone, we put together a uh, with the surfaces organization. We put together a database. I don't know if you've seen this yet, but it, it's basically a database of, of all different kinds of stone. And there's right now there's about 400 different materials in there. And what's neat about this database, and it hasn't been totally built yet, is anybody can go in there and post a note about that particular stone. So, you know, for example, let's say you're dealing with... Uh, uh, refinishing Botticino, which is a great example. Botticino has that, you know, blotchy type appearance to it. Uh, you could go into that particular database. You could look at Botticino and say, hey, you know what? Uh, not only ask a question, but say, you know, this is how I rectified this problem, or this is the issue I had with this particular stone. So as time goes on, that database is going to build and build and build. So anyone listening out there that runs in a particular stone, that has an issue and more importantly has solved the problem uh, should go in there and, and make a comment because that's going to benefit everybody in the industry. Well, it, it is because the last databases we had um, was with you and Richard, and that goes back into the late wow. 90s when you started. That's how I got to know you. You started the very first stone forum in the history of stone at yep. the beginning of the internet. Yep. And you were the pioneer on that and started that way back when before it was even popular. And I was the only West Coast guy and there's all the other East Coast guys, but they were like the best of the best, man. There was some good people on there. Yep. And but the thing is is that you and Richard worked with that stone database, good start. But what you're doing yep. now is even more comprehensive and it's something where it's worth its weight in gold kind of like your bible yeah yep. you made a long time ago but it still pertains yep. today yeah. and it's worth every single penny that the book costs because it's still standards it's still how you deal with stuff right and it's something that's good so i'm kind of really looking forward to seeing that and seeing how that grows because that's going to help a lot of guys but all you oh, people yeah. that are out there for God's sakes, take a geology class if you ever, you know, get a chance to go to a show. Take it. I take yeah. one every year. I've been doing it since 87. And I you know, still matter, take it because I forget shit. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I, I just signed up for a, an advanced geology class. And uh, I'll have to look up the, the uh, a address. But uh, if anybody wants to know, I found a site uh, where you can actually take free college classes. And I somebody sent me out of just out of out of hey check this out and i checked it out and i typed in geology and uh there are like three or four classes in there that are one's from yale another's from harvard uh, and uh I, I signed up for one of those the other day so but they have some basic classes as well so you know the nice thing about today's internet talking about you know new technology is a lot of this stuff can be done sitting in front of your sitting in front of your computer in your underwear <laughs> you know, so yeah, I agree well, with you know, David. It's interesting you know, too, because sometimes the, you know, like I'll talk about a designer who picked the wrong material, 
or an architect who picked the wrong material and didn't marry up with this. That's why it always, in the beginning section of the design manual, it always is in every single section of every single stone, and that is to do a sample for approval to make sure that your stone and your materials marry up well. Right. And that's important. It's very, very important. But, um, you know, a lot of times they'll say, well, what was the problem here? I said, well, your designer didn't take her, missed her fifth grade geology class, and she didn't (laughs) understand about this. And that's what it was. It's really fifth grade geology. Yeah. But um, I still take them. You still take them because there's so much to geology and there's all these new stones coming out. You know, like quartzite. Oh, yeah, quartzite's great. And then you get the stuff that's porous. You have to seal three to five times because it's so porous. And it needs to repel, you know. And it's just crazy, some of the stuff that's coming into the country. You know, that's what, you know, you and I have been in this business a long, long time now. I'll I'll age myself. But, uh, you know, it's it's a constant, constant learning uh, we've got new materials. Stone is stone is not a man-made product. It's you know it's it's Mother Nature, and many many things can occur uh, geologically that uh, we're going to see out there in the field, whether we're a fabricator, an installer, or or a restoration contractor. You know things like uh, you know calcium deposits in granite. You know granite's not supposed to etch, but some granite out there etches. So you know, and w- one thing I've learned over the years about the stone industry in particular is that there are how do I say this? There's an exception to every rule. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. can't, you can't say granite stone etch uh, because there's that exception. You know, um, and the one that I yeah, laugh at all the time. Like, yeah. They should have left it in the hillside for another 10,000 years. You exactly. Know? <laughs> you know, exactly. But uh, um, it's just it's amazing. Yeah, it really is, and it, what it comes down to is you can know the business, and this this whole business is not about throwing polish on a floor, orange peeling it, and, you know, going and saying, you know, hey, yeah, that's great, and getting your check, because one right. of the days you'll look at the floor and you won't see the indent fractures in the floor because it's on joists, and then you polish it, and the client says, well, these weren't here before. You cracked my floor with your floor machine. Right. You know, and you don't get paid, and God knows what her husband does for a living. And if he's a lawyer, then, you know, you're up shit creek without a paddle. <laughs> and right. You have to look at the stuff. So that's kind of what we're trying to do is to teach the restoration guys to be not tile setters, but to know the methods of setting so they can get paid. Absolutely. And that, that's important. You know, one of the things that I'm always an advocate of, you know, and you know this, you've taken my classes, is that, you know, even, you know, it's just not the tile or stone that we're talking about. It's what's underneath of it. So, you know, one of the things I encourage people to do, especially if you live in a climate like I do, where we have a lot of slab on grade, you have it there in Southern California, you know, pretty much the Southern portion of the of the United States is go, <clears throat> excuse me, go, go and watch, uh, a concrete company pour a slab. I mean, it'll it'll be an eye opener. You'll you'll see the mistakes. <laughs> you'll see. Oh, you know what? Maybe that's why I'm seeing this particular issue on on this particular tile. So you know, concrete, you gotta look at it. Believe it open or not, it's so complicated because <clears throat> there's so many factors of weather and moisture yep. that people don't realize. Oh, it's concrete. 
Oh, my goodness gracious. It can get very complicated. If yep. You have days that are too damp or too hot. It flashes too quick. The mixture isn't quite right. Uh, you got a deal on the guy who who bring in the stuff, but it wasn't as good quality as the other. <clears throat> and to, got to either take out a driveway or a couple thousand or 5,000 square feet. Better have your ducks in a row. You're having a really bad year. Yeah. Well, and with concrete, you have different aggregates that are used depending on what part of the country you're in. And now you have all these admixtures being 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 placed into it. And and you know, one one thing I'll say, why I think learning about concrete is real important is we deal with it every day, whether we know it or not. Guess what grout is made out of? It's made out of concrete. Guess what your setting materials are made out of? They're made out of concrete. So you know, understanding how concrete cures and how it works is extremely important, not only from the standpoint of inspection where we. You know, looking at slabs being important and everything, but with the materials we're using every day. Uh, you know, yeah, whether it's what, hap- the what happens in the northeast is not the same that happens in the southwest. Absolutely you have different not. temperatures, and those are all different things. The worst thing you can ever do is try to work on concrete that's where it's too hot. You know, it's yeah. like trying to put sealer on a tile. It's like, okay, know your surface temperature, know the weather, so that it doesn't flash on you. Because when right. it flashes, you're having a bad day, a bad week, actually. So you have to know these things and to know your temperatures. For God's sakes, read the manufacturer's directions because yep. they'll tell you about temperatures. Just the little things. I don't know why people don't read directions anymore. I know. <laughs> it's, it's, you it's you like, know it's one of my pet, pet, pet peeves. <laughs> you know, I, I see it. You know, I, I know I've given this example many times, but I'll, I'll mention it again. I, I, I know going on a number of jobs where we're dealing with resin back material, whether it's fiberglass, whether it's resin or whatever, and it's not bonding. And I'll ask, well, what setting material did you use? Oh, I used Laticrete such and such and Mapay such and such, whatever the brand name. And, uh, you know, and you look at the data sheet or hell, you look at the back of the bag and it says not to use it with resin back materials. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and it's like yeah. Why are my tiles, tiles falling off the wall? Right. And then they'll say, well, well, we'll make cuts in it and we'll rough it up. It'll stick. Well, no. then it goes to why the TCNA says you have to certain amount of bonding on the back of the surface. But I'm sorry, but something mixed with water doesn't mix with resin. Right. Plain and simple. And, and, it's physics. And and you know, going back to and and I know I, I did a show on this. Uh, going back to how concrete actually, you know, bonds to, or not concrete, but, you know, the setting material actually bonds to a back of a tile is not necessarily chemically bonded like an epoxy would be. So when you have a water-based concrete that ha- needs to have those crystals growing into an absorbent material in order to bond, you don't have that with a resin-based material. And more of a, that's more of the technical explanation, but... Uh, uh, and it's just amazing getting back to, you know, why don't they read the, all you have to, you know, okay. So you don't want to read all the directions on there. Go right away. What I do is I go right away to the limitations. You know, it's on every bag. It's on every data sheet. You go to limitations and see where, what are the limitations of this product? And you'll read it right on there. And it'll say, you know, do not use on resin back materials, use, and they'll, you know, depending on the manufacturer, will recommend a particular product, generally an epoxy. Yep. And again, um, if we took a poll of everybody was listening to this, and how many people actually read the bag, or read the bottle, or even talk, I don't know how many times, a lot of times when I'm doing something and there's a problem, 
I'll say to them, okay, what product did you use? I'll talk to the manufacturer. Um, I'll do this. I'll do that. And then, you know, if you have a conflict of interest to what the guy said, you say, okay, can you just reiterate our conversation? Here's my email. Because they may make a mistake, and you need to catch them. If it's your ass, yeah. But you have to have that, um, you know, you can't go he said, she said, because everybody loses on that. So right. it's a matter of getting it in writing. Um, you know, like I called up for Red Guard one time, and they said, yeah, yeah, you can do two coats, but we prefer three. <laughs> and I said, okay, why three and not two? Well, just better. I said, so you're going to have a waterproofing membrane, you're going to have the anti-fracture membrane, uh, any fracture membrane, waterproofing membrane, but now you want a third. Yeah, we just find that it works better. And I, oh, what wow. I didn't say to them was, that's only because you found that you, the shit didn't work with two, so now you're recommending three to save your ass. Okay, well, that's fine. That's fine, but you called the guy. And, you know, like I told somebody today, I said, look, when you do this, go north to south, do your second coat east to west, and you should be okay. But look and see if you have anything bleeding through the substrate, then do another coat. And they're like, really? The manufacturer doesn't say that. I said, trust me, it's just do it this way. You want to cross-link right. it. And that's the thing. You got Most people, I think, are just really lazy, Fred. They don't oh, yeah. want to take the time. They don't want to call the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. But in my business and your business, yep. we're dealing with other people's problems. So you have to call the manufacturer. So you have, look, this is what a manufacturer says. This is what your guy did. And most, I think of all the setters and the fabricators were to join, let's say, not only your site surfaces, but also go with the National Tile Contractors Association, they yep. wouldn't have nearly the problems. But they're like, well, I've been doing this shit for 30 years. No, you've been getting away with it for 30 years. That's you're right. still a doofus. Well, you know, you know and most of your you're not. Yeah, yeah they're and most of their installers don't. Most of their installers, you know, they're they're doing the installation. They they get their check and they're gone. And you know, and, uh, you know, let, let's say the problem occurs a year after the fact. They're either gone or they're, you know, the, the customer doesn't understand that it's an installation problem. And, you know, it's that you're right. They don't see the issues, you know. So it's uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, guys out there. I'm not trying to say they're all you installers are bad. There's a lot of great installers out there. But unfortunately, uh, of all the great installers that are out there, especially in my line of work, uh, I've probably seen, you know, m more bad installers than I've seen good installers. I, I hate to say well, it's kind of like you take a Schluter class, right? Great material, right? But right. The, the owner goes and takes the Schluter class. He does, you know, he does it hands-on. He learns how to do it. And then he goes back and tells his guys how to do it, but he doesn't make the mock-up so they can touch it, feel it, and actually right. work with the material. And there are little tricks about tucking this, doing that, covering this over when you do that. And unless you actually hands-on do it to test, and why do we have different marbles on the, on our floors and test so we know how they react and what works best? Right. So why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you do a hands-on? Why don't you, you know, just because you're the owner and then you tell the guys, yeah, my guy did this, but I told him to do that. 
yeah, but your name's on the door, so you're responsible. Have a seat over there. I'll be right back with you. And that sort of thing is hands-on, well, touch it, feel it. And, you know? and not, only, not only hands-on, I'll add to that, and that things get lost in translation. You know, uh, not only in translation, but, you know, in, in adult education, you know, we come out of a seminar. Me or anybody else comes out of a seminar. They're only going to remember a certain percentage of, of what, they, what they were taught. And then as time goes on, they, they, they lose less and less and less and less. So let's say, you know, the owner of a company goes in, and we could take the Schluter class as an example, and they go in and they learn all this stuff. Now, oh, this is great. Now they teach their guy, and that guy teaches his helper. And that helper, you know, goes on and on and on. Things get missed. And, uh, you know, so, you know not, not to get into a training lecture here, but, you know, if you've got guys that are getting trained, don't just train the owner. Train your technicians. And, and that, goes, that goes through for a, a, any, any trade, for that matter. It's be, and the reason why we keep taking geology classes is because we forget little things. And yep. you have to keep brushing up. If you don't brush up, bust it eventually. Um, so why not brush up and keep learning? I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, I, I should have I forgot that one. I should have known better. Why did I do right. this? And, right. But that's why you keep brushing up. You can't just, you know, the human being only retains 25% at best of what they learned the day before in detail. Yep. Yep. So the question is, you know, you give it to somebody, and let's be honest, the employees really don't have the same heart and incentive that the owner does, so right. they're not going to care as much. They just want to finish the day and get paid at the end of the week. So right. you have to watch it. You have to make sure um, that all these things, they cross their T's and dot their I's, because if not, you'll be back. And sometimes it can be very, very costly. Hey, you David, know, let, me put so. you, let, me put you, let me stop you for a second. Let me take a, let's okay. take a quick, break, quick break for this ad. It's only 50 seconds, and I'll come right back on. Got it. Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains. Tough Skin guarantees it will not. Tough Skin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with a proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Tough Skin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F SkinProtection.com to learn more. Are you looking for quality greenstone working products? ESP sells many lines of fine quality environmentally safe products. Stone Pro, MB Stone Care, Bondstone and Touchstone Adhesives, more Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESP sales.net that's esp sales.net all right we're back i thought you would appreciate that last ad <laughs> thank you <laughs> you're welcome so you know going back again to because last week you had some incredible material as far as adhesives and stuff and you know i still to this day you know that thing with the with the uh, infrared cameras heck of a trick 
one of the things that's very important that I learned when I take your classes and even being in a business since 87, you know, occasionally I will still take your class. And the reason why is because, yes, there's a lot of stuff that I know, but I always learn something. There is right. always that aha moment like, oh, in fact, the last time I took it um, in Vegas during the shutdown, actually, it was simply because there was stuff on there that you teased us with that you could find. And I took the classes just for a couple of things that I wanted to learn. It was important. So the guys who were take your class, the guys who spend that time to do it, they're a lot smarter. Yeah, it's, it's a good chunk of change. But what is that worth? You know, maybe it's a day or two's work worth of work. That is yep. nothing compared to having the knowledge of being smarter and knowing a lot more stuff and able to ex- to get to you and look up what you have online if they join in for the education. I looked at just the ceiling stuff, and I just kind of went, wow, that is right on track. And a lot of the school that you have there is it's incredible stuff. You have all the knowledge that you've gained all these years. You were the first cat, if I'm not mistaken, to write up the design manual a long time ago. You did the yeah. first Internet form. You've always been a leader and a pioneer in this business. So why wouldn't you drop a chunk of change to learn from somebody? I've been doing it for 33 years, and I still learn when I take your class. So why wouldn't the other guys, unless they're too arrogant and think that they know everything? And those guys, when they do, they call me and go, oh, i got a problem. Yeah, I know that. I, they didn't pick me because I was too expensive. Well, I know, but I got the job, and you want me to tell you how to fix it. Yeah, no. I'm going to put you on hold, and I'm going to lunch. I'm sorry. Goodbye. <laughs> there you go. You know. But, you know, it, you know, with all that said, and thank you for that, but, uh, you know, I, I, learned, I learned something at, at each one of these classes. And, uh, you know, a great example uh, is this last class I did. Uh, we were talking about mosaics, and, and the subject came up, and uh, one of my students – uh, said, hey, have you seen uh, the mosaics? And it was this Mas- uh, Masonic Lodge, I think it was, in Boston somewhere. He says these mosaics are not individual, you know, thin tiles like we're, like we're used to seeing. They're actually two to three inches thick. They're an actual uh, a cylinder. They're actually pound into the, into the mortar. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I had never heard of anything like that. So... You know, there's always something to learn. You know, always something to learn in this industry. Well, you also before, learn you know? from a lot of their experiences, too. Like, hey, I mm-hmm. saw this. Really? I've yep. actually heard you once in a while say, really? And tell me yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's just, you know, it's we're dealing with a, a product of nature here. Where we are, we're, you know, we're not dealing with something that's, you know, no no offense to the carpet guys out there, but, you know, it's carpet. It's man-made. You know, this is what you do, ABC, blah, 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 blah. But with, with stone, what we do with one, it isn't, might not work with the other one. And that, that goes for installation, fabrication, and re- especially restoration, you know, as, as, you're, as you're well aware. So, you know, in, yeah. in our, our, our new school, that's why I put down, you know, like four or 500 square feet of all different materials, you know, from – you know, marbles, standard marbles like Crema Marfil, Negro Marquino, White Carrara, but some, you know, some tricky ones, uh, some serpentines, uh, Rainforest Brown, uh, Blue Pearl, 
you know, things of that nature. So you got to sh- you got to learn how to work with all these different materials. Well, and then here's the good one: what countries are doing what to the stone and not telling you? Oh, okay. do we want to go Bye. there? Do we want to go there? Um, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna step in it for a second. Okay. Um, remember when online the one guy from India said, "Oh yes, seventy percent of all black stone from India has died." And we all like printed it out and said, oh, we'll need this in court someday. Right. And yep. there was that early on, I got busted on sealing a countertop that was died. I called you. You were able to, I mean, you helped me to the point where you kept totally just saved my ass. And I was able to go to him and say, look, it's died. Here's the test. Here's what you do, blah, blah, blah. Right. And you were able to get me out of that problem. But that was at the very beginning of this. Now they still die. They just yep. use better dyes. Yep. But the point is, is that um, there's so much that people are doing that we have to deal with. It's like, here's a great example. The um, Staples Center, um, there's a high rise there. Well, that all failed when I left. I was working for the insurance company, and when it left, when I left, it was like a fifty million dollar failure. Well, what did they replace it with, Fred? They replaced it with a Chinese porcelain oh, with <laughs> a with a marble lamb on top that was glued. So the first guy that has to do too much refinishing and grinding, he just bought the floor because it's not yep. marble. It's actually a por- porcelain with a lamb on it. So. Yep. Do we really know what we're really looking at? That's why you have to ask questions and investigate. Um, because I'm still waiting for, you know, I don't know how many people may have gotten busted on that because they go, yeah, this is a marble. No, it's not. This is garbage. Yep. And they got a great yep. price on it from China, you know. Yep. Well, you know, and, and they're also, uh, I'm not going to mention names here because uh, I'm involved with one lawsuit, um, you know, what's what I'm talking about, where they're they're using certain treatments now. On, on marble, especially uh, for sealing them, and uh, they're failing miserably. Yeah, well, you know, so yeah. So you're, you're right. I mean, all these treatments that are being done to stone, and, you know, from injection, you know, with, with resins to sealer, uh, quote unquote, proprietary sealer applications, and, and not to mention engineered stone. We haven't even touched on that subject, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're I, right. And we, and we, we have to take a whole nother show just yeah. for agglomerates, which are garbage. Yep. Absolutely. Um, you know, they had at city center and guy sent uh, Greg Mowat sent me a piece of uh, stone says, Hey, we're having problems here. And me being inquisitive, um, there was a picture and I, took a torch, a big torch, and put it on fire, and it stayed on fire. So they lied yep. about the MSDS sheets, and they go, yeah, it's made with marble chips and, you know, glue. Well, it was actually marble dust and resin, and when you torched it, it stayed on fire. So they falsified yep. the MSDS, and it was a fire hazard, and it didn't meet fire ratings, so they had to take all that stone out of all the bathrooms of one of those buildings. Yep. Yep, and that was because you go, yeah. Well, of course, the manufacturer's going to tell you the truth. No, they're not. They're going to lie to you. It's the same people that, um, like Antonelli, when he says, "Oh yeah, this is soft quartzite." Well, the soft quartzite's really a granite, <laughs> not a marble. So, if you think they're going to tell you the truth, 
um, that's why you always go to a doctor and say, can I get a second opinion? <laughs> that's right. You're ugly, too. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it, it's just, it, it, you know, and, and on the bright side of this whole thing, this is what makes this industry very interesting and, for me, fun. You know, it's a, it's a constant, constant learning experience. So, all right, we're going to wrap things up here in a minute. Any any last-minute words of wisdom? I know you have many, but anything you want to say for this show? Um, yeah, get into your um, your school for those who are new. Um, for you who think you're cocky and know everything, you don't um, <laughs> because you never stop learning. But read the directions and test. Test, test, test. I talked to a guy today, and he gave me two sealers. One is a 15-year sealer that has its potential but doesn't have great repellency. And then there was a one, another one that used to be great but isn't great anymore. And he's like, yeah, I really like these. I said, I got rid of those 15 years ago. And he says, really, what do you use? So we had a long conversation. But test the stuff. Don't believe everything everybody says because they're salespeople. Do your own tests. Um, get into education. Getting into your surfaces thing is really, really important. Taking your classes is really, really important. There's not a lot of that education around. And so if you want to be better, spend the time and do it. Also, read the directions, call the manufacturer, and remember, salespeople are just salespeople. They're going to sell you a bridge, and they want you to buy it. doesn't mean that the product is great. And even if the product is great, doesn't mean they're going to change it. Solids right. for profit. So that's just a lot of things. It's all education. Absolutely. And, you know, in today's day and age, you know, I remember when we started many, many years ago, everything was a big secret. And nowadays, there's a lot of people out there, me, you, and everybody willing to share uh, this knowledge. So take advantage of that, guys. Definitely take advantage of that. That's what we're here for. Yeah, and that's, it's real true. It's, <clears throat> you know, it's like you buy supplies. Well, you want to buy from somebody who is reputable, who says, you know, well, yeah, everybody uses this product. You know what? doesn't mean it's the right product. Everybody's buying white marble and going, oh, my God, that just so everybody <laughs> kind of jumped off the bridge, you know. But do your own testing. Do your talk to friends. Make friends. I'm actually not friends, but acquaintances with a lot of my competitors. Yep. And even though I know that they would steal my mother and send her back COD, <laughs> I still will help them because I sell products to them within range. And then sometimes I'll say, you know what? Why did you take this job? Well, because I needed to work. Well, you know, I'm not going to help you. You shouldn't have taken this. Take a job that you know you can do. And if right. you want to learn more, ask questions. Yep. Um, ask questions. Have friends around that you can bounce stuff off of. Yep. You know, if you think you're going to tackle the entire stone world by yourself, you are so wrong. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Well, David, as always, thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll get another show together here uh, shortly. And in the meantime, you and I will be talking. All right. Take care. Thank you, Fred. Uh, thank you. All righty, folks. All right, so I'm going to one, one more ad here, and uh, we'll be out of we'll be out of here. Want to be kept in the loop about news, upcoming courses, events, and more, all targeted to the surface care professional? Subscribe to the Surface Care Pro Advisory. No fluff, no spam, just pertinent info from time to time sent straight to your email. 
Sign up for free at backstage.surfaces.com. Surfaces is spelled S-U-R-P-H-A-C-E-S. So again, backstage.surfaces.com. All righty, folks. That was a great show. I love, always love David's input on there. So uh, until next week, thanks for listening. Keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, fabricating those tops. Later, my friends. <laughs>